Today's message comes on the heels of Paul trying to get the whole house of God in order, possibly due to a lack of understanding of the significance of the church and, and how Christians should relate to each other and as well as those outside of the faith. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul has spoken about the blessings that we have in Christ and the reasons we should be thankful. In Ephesians chapter 2, he speaks of how salvation comes uh, in Christ through grace alone. And that, that this is that foundation for unity in the church. Ephesians chapter 3 gives us uh, some explanations of the mystery, mysterion, uh, that's found in the gospel, that's found in Jesus Christ. Making it all the way to Ephesians chapter 4, where Paul is pleading for unity within the church. And then in Ephesians chapter 5, he encourages the believer not to take part in sin, while at the same time addressing this issue of submission, and godliness and relating one to another in marriage. But now, in our chapter today, Ephesians chapter 6, he first addresses what a proper relationship should be between a parent and the child followed by the area we will concentrate on today. And that is the relationship between, here it is, uh, it may be a shock to you, given our series, here it is, employer and employee. In this whole gamut of teaching, why would this issue of employer and employee rise to the level of the significance of Scripture itself. Why does God think it necessary to inspire Paul the Apostle to talk about relationships on the job? Why is this important to God? Well, it's important to God. We should know that for sure. And if it's important to God, we should know one thing. It should also be important to us. So God, he speaks to our work again. Please turn with me. Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to start with verse 5. And here, we're going to get to the heart of the work principle. The heart of the work principle. Verse 5, Ephesians chapter 6. Bond servants. Don't you like that word? Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Well, let's just, you know, call it what it is. A bond servant is a slave. It's very kind of the translators in our Bible as well as some others to help us 
swallow better this idea of bond servantness with what it means to follow Christ, this idea of slaves, right? Uh, it, it, it doesn't deem well for the, uh, for the Christian faith. When uh, Christianity uh, leaders within the church don't go after those things that are not right before God. So here in our passage, the word bondservants is the word slave, or in Greek, it's called doulos, or douloi is, is plural. So now to be clear, Paul is not referring to work in this passage, right? He's not talking about what happens between you as a government employee and your boss or your supervisor at work. Paul's not talking about that. He's talking about the relationship between a slave and his or her master. Why do I say this? Because again, I've already told you that bond servants are slaves. Because they were masters. But understand this, that some slaves of the day there were individuals who allowed themselves to be enslaved, right? Some slaves of this day, of the Pauline environment, that they were enslaved because they wanted to be enslaved. You say, well, who wants to be enslaved? Well, again, you know how it goes. Some of you already know this background, right? You start running up debt, right? You start asking for credit, right? And then during this time, they said, well, I can no longer pay my bills, so let me file chapter 11 or chapter 13. Uh-uh, that didn't exist. There was no filing bankruptcy. If you ran up debt, then you only had one other good alternative, and that was to become a slave to the person that you owe the money to. Imagine that. Imagine you now say, you know what? I, I can't pay my chase bill anymore, so let me just go on to the bank and say, all right, I need to be your slave now here. This was their uh, mindset in their environment because they didn't have the protections. Believe that, right? They didn't have the protections that we have today. And some, in fact, not only when they would run up the debt, they would, in fact, they would look at their wife and say, you know, honey, you know, we've been living large lately, you know. That house and that car that we get, and you know, all those gadgets and gadgets and, you know, food processors and, you know, all, the, remember that fur baby that we got? You know, we can't pay it off and we're in trouble, so I need for you to be a slave with me. So sometimes they would take the wife, and guess what? Sometimes they would even take the children to work out the debt, to work off the debt of the parents. How would you like that, children? How would you like that, teenagers and small ones? That because of all the debt that your parents have run up, you have, you have to be responsible for paying it off. And you get nothing in return other than, you know, just to help your parents off. But also know, though, however, that during this time, uh, that wasn't the only way that people would be enslaved. 
Some folks were also enslaved because there were wars and there were battles uh, and they would take folks captive and they would become slaves. You know, slavery is still a problem even in our life today. We may not necessarily see it, but it's happening all over the place. It's a problem. And it's not an issue of owing anybody any money. It is a full-blown sin at work where one person takes advantage of another. Therefore, understand this before you misunderstand the point that I'm trying to get across. Neither Scripture nor I condone the diminishment of a person who's been made in the image of God to become the slave of another just because you want it. You see, never at any time was a person supposed to be treated inhumanely. Never at any time. When it happened, you can be assured, that whether we're talking about Old Testament or New Testament, that God was not pleased. He allowed it, but never were the saints supposed to treat a person like they were an animal. And this Inhumane treatment of human beings is what we saw in the inception of this nation of ours. And it was the very thing that divided it somewhat during the Civil War. What was so civil about uh, folks being killed left and right? And you may say that, well, you know, that was then and this is now. Well, the bottom line is, uh, do you realize, I'm not sure if you understood this or even knew this, do you realize that Interstate 90, right here in the, this area here in which we live, Interstate 90 is, uh, is a open door, is a highway for human trafficking? Right here. That there are many people, mostly women, who are being kidnapped and they're taking up I-90 through our area to become someone else's slave. Right here. So if we say that we don't believe that it's still going on, it's still going on. This is not the type of work that God had in mind. This is not what God had intended uh, for uh, how people should interact with one another. This is against God's law. This is against God's justice. This is against his righteousness. This is against his honor, his integrity, and his love. And as individuals who love Jesus Christ, we are to speak out against this. But the idea here in our context is that this individual who is a bondservant, a, a, a doulos, or slave, is basically an individual who works for another. In this case, it would be the relationship, how we apply this relationship between employer and employee, or manager, supervisor, and the worker, or whatever relationship we have between a teacher and a student, whatever it may be. So here, in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 8, Paul addresses bond servants or for our application the workers and then after he addresses the master or the supervisor so let us first deal with the workers or the employees or the students here's the first principle we are responsible for our activities our attitudes and our actions while we are at work 
or school. Let's read this passage again in full. Ephesians 6, verses 5. We're going to read all the way through, through 8 this time. Bond servants, obey earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord. Whether he is a bond servant, whether he or she is a slave, or whether they are free. You see, there it is. So how can you receive from the Lord from doing right if you're free? You see, this, the, the application is not only for slaves, but also for anyone who works. So Scripture clearly tells us that if you are a worker and someone is your supervisor, who knows that everyone has a supervisor? No. Everyone has a supervisor of some, of some sorts. Now, this would not mean that we should not exercise our voices when things go wrong, right? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work this out in one second. Uh, so if, if things are, are not right, that doesn't mean that you automatically are quiet on the job, amen? In fact, we are expected to speak up when things are not right or the direction of a company, or the school moves in a direction which opposes your faith in Jesus Christ, or, or they're not treating someone right, we are expected to speak up. This would be much like the relationship between Daniel and Asphanas that we heard about last time, which dealt with the working in a hostile environment while being faithful to God and respectful to those in leadership. In fact, in many ways, this message is very similar to that one, but it's a little bit different. So I need for you to open your spiritual ears and ask God to give you discernment for the nuances that he will bring to our attention today. So what does it mean to obey leadership on the job? Well, it says it very clearly. It's very interesting that one of the words that he used here in verse 8, it says bond servants, it says obey. Bond servants, obey. It's very interesting that the word obey, it is an act of hearing. Did you hear that? The word obey finds its home in the word where we hear, in the Greek word where we hear the word akuo, which means to hear. The word obey finds its home in the word we hear for hearing. We read for hearing. What are you talking about? In fact, I won't, even, I won't even pronounce the word as of yet anyway. Uh, but uh, it is actually a combination word here. Uh, and the combination word is the word hyper and the word hearing. So one, you have the word to hear, a cool, which means to hear. Like many of you are sitting back and you're listening or you're hearing my voice right now. You are, you are doing a cool right now. But Paul says that, uh, that a worker is supposed to do more than just hear. He's supposed to do more than a cool, uh, that we are supposed to hyper hear. 
what does it mean to hyperhear? Uh, to hyperhear means to take what you hear and put it to action. Right? You ever notice sometimes that you're talking to someone and you're speaking to them and you, and you look at them and you say, do you even hear what I'm saying? Because you see the glazed look over their face, over their eyes, and it's not sinking in. And you know deep down inside that they're going to do nothing that you've asked them to do. Because they're not doing hyper hearing, they're just listening for information. Isn't that fascinating? So hyperhearing is obtaining more information to eventually act upon what you have heard. Will you hyperhear God's word today? Or will you just hear? Will you hear just for information? Or will you hyperhear to not only uh, hyperhear, not only just to hear, but also to obey and to follow and to put into action? As an example, here we go. Matthew chapter 8, verse 27. Matthew 8, verse 27. The people were astonished by the fact that Jesus had control over the winds and the seas. Here it is again. Matthew 8, 27. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this that even winds and sea hyper-hear him? Hyper, hear him. So uh, they, uh, these inanimate things, as we would say, uh, that uh, in response to the direct command of the creator of the universe, that they were still, uh, there was a raging storm outside, and the waves were plopping up all over the place, and Jesus steps into the, uh, the situation and says what? He says, peace be still. And all of a sudden, it just stopped. Those things, they hyper-heard what Jesus was saying. It's very interesting that this caught uh, my attention because uh, why would, on the one hand, as we think about people, uh, one person obey God's word while the other person wouldn't? One obeys while another doesn't because uh, people decide whether or not they've heard from God in the first place. You see, if I haven't heard from God, I don't have to do what God says. If I don't think it was God, then I can ignore every single thing, every single word that I have heard. And see, that's the question. Uh, how do you respond to God's word in the first place? Is it just a history book or is it really living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword? Which is it? You see, uh, God's word is meant not only to be heard, but also to be obeyed as well. So a person who doesn't believe God exists, will have an impossible time obeying what God commands, like accepting Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, as her Lord and Savior. You're going to have a hard time uh, uh, even doing that because you don't believe it to begin with. You don't believe that you are a sinner. So our point, however, is that we must obey or we must hyperhear what those who are in authority over us direct us to do. Now, this type of obedience uh, is not identical to being 
directed or commanded by God's word. You see, you, you see, God's word is, is infinite. God's word is set in stone. God is who he is. But uh, that person who is our supervisor or our teacher or our manager, they are not set in stone. They are not God. Not only do we know that, they also know that. So sometimes some of the stuff that come out of their mouth, we know that. What kind of dribble is this? So we have to decide uh, sometimes from moment to moment whether or not to do, whether or not what they're asking us to do because it may not be right. But when it is, God expects for us to hyperhear, he expects for us to obey. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling. Why, again, is this so important? He says the reason that we must obey because we must do it with a sincere heart as you would Christ, right? 6-5 again. There's supposed to be a correlation, connection between the obedience we show Christ and the obedience we show our bosses. And again, I have to tell you, I get it. I get it. I'm going to share this with you one time, right? And keep this to yourselves. No one else will ever hear this. One time I had someone who was my, whoever you would call them to be, maybe my supervisor, maybe, on the job. And, uh, and this, person was, this person was really crazy. So I thought anyway. Oh, so a whole bunch of other people thought as well. Uh, but I was, you know, if you can imagine me, I was the only one that kind of spoke up, right? Low man on the totem pole speaking up to a higher authority. Imagine how that goes. So this person was really, really, really just out of sorts. And one, one day... Uh, this person called me at, uh, at one of my offices there uh, on the campus, and, uh, and this person, they began to speak to me. I said, okay, all right, you're right, we'll take care of that. Then all of a sudden, they started talking crazy. First thing I did was hang the phone up. I just slammed the phone down and, and, and kept about my business. So the person, they called back. And they said, did you hang up? I said, I sure did, because I didn't want to hear all that. Don't you ever hang up on me again. I'm sorry, I'm your supervisor. Don't you know I could fire you? I said, so don't hang up on you again. I said, okay. So they started down this road again. So you know what I did? I laid the phone on the desk. I left out of my office. I closed the door, and I went and did what I did. And would you believe, about 20 minutes later, I came back, and this person was still talking. But I want you to know, there was a process, but, you know, uh, at, at the time, I, I'm not like that anymore, but at, at, at the time, you know, I, I just, you know, I, I wouldn't take that kind of stuff, you know, and uh, I said, well, do what you have to. I ended up getting fired from that job. I got fired. Yes, I did. Can you believe it? Insubordination? Me? And, uh, but I want you to know this, though, that at the end of the day, that I was still the impetus towards getting that person removed because that person had been there for like forever and no one was bold enough to speak up except for me. And eventually people came to my side, but they came to my side five years after I was fired. So uh, know that if you speak up to authority, that you just may have a price to pay. What price? Are you willing to pay? 
So he says here, Paul says, with fear and trembling with a sincere heart that we need to obey what they say. What does that mean? Do we need to be afraid? No, that doesn't mean that we need to be afraid. What it simply means is that we need to show proper honor and proper respect. Right? Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 15. Paul says, and his affection for you is even greater as he remembers the obedience of you all, how you received him with fear and trembling, this idea of respect. But here's one for you, Philippians 2.12. Philippians 2.12. Many of you know this. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only, you see the connection between obedience and now fear and trembling, not only uh, as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation, here it is, with fear and trembling with honor and respect for the Lord, knowing that God is uh, trying to work out a process in our life, so we must work it out. So if God was standing by as your department chair or manager, how would you work then? If Jesus showed up in the cubicle next to yours, would your work habits change? Here's one for you. But if Jesus was your cube mate, would you keep surf, surfing the web as much as you do, did on your job, as you may do on your job? Or maybe answering the phone or making phone calls and things you have no business doing. Would you continue doing that? Would you doodle if you're in school and let your mind go off into never, never land if Jesus was watching you? Knowing that in the back of your mind, Jesus is asking you, why aren't you redeeming the time? How do you redeem the time that you have on your hand? You have this free time uh, to do something extra. Why aren't you redeeming the time? Or are you wasting the time that Christ has given you? Are you representing God's best interests? Are you simply ignoring what his word says? But moving on, on the other hand, it says, our scripture tells us here, as we were reading in verse 6, he says, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond service of Christ. So in other words, don't, uh, don't have the mindset that you're a slave to a person, but have the mindset that you are a slave to Jesus. First and foremost. Uh, for, first and foremost. He says here, not by the way of eye service. Here's another very interesting word. This is fascinating to me. The word for eye service is, is another compound word, and basically it means this. Here it is. Ready? Are you an eye slave? You have the word for eye, which you look, and you have the word for slave. Remember the word we talked about earlier, bond servant? Remember I, I mentioned the word doulos? Well, inherent, uh, uh, combined in this word for eye service is the word I and the word slave. Well, so what? What does that mean? In other words, uh, do you only do work because you are a slave uh, to the eye of the person who watches over you? 
Well, what does that mean? Do you only do your work when your boss shows up? Do you only, all of a sudden, you know that, oh man, the big boss is coming in town today. You know, the big boss, uh, therefore, uh, we need to get our act together because he's going to be watching us. Or do you do your work diligently and faithfully every day as if the boss was always watching? See? So are you an eye slave or are you a people pleaser? Like, well, wait a minute, I'm working, so I'm working to please people. No, the reason that you are working, you're working to glorify God. We work to glorify God. It just, it, it, it doesn't make sense. We've already talked about this, how all your different jobs in here, how you use to lift up and encourage the human race. All of you. And some of you are on the runway getting ready to take off so you can finally walk in that way that you can encourage one another. And my wife and I, we were in the store this past weekend. We were at the, uh, uh, one of the big, big box stores. Uh, they got a lot of blue in it, right? Uh, all on the wall. Uh, they have a mark there too, by the way. And, 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 and the cashier, she was, you know, really, really downtrodden and just there. I said, you know, you're really doing a great job. I want to thank you so much. I said, I know you're not getting, you're probably not getting as much money as you need to have. I said, but you know what? Thank you so much because you're helping us out and you're here all these hours and I know you're probably, you're probably ready to go home and she's just looking at me like that. And like she was, she was just done. Another guy I seen, he was just, all he was doing is, is, is loading things on the shelf, loading things on the shelf. He's like, Ugh. I said, thank you, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I said, because without you, I wouldn't be able to find this. I said, and you may not, you, you probably having a hard time trying to process through that you're going to be doing this the rest of your life. I said, but keep thinking forward. Keep thinking forward. I said, but in the meantime, enjoy helping me. Enjoy helping all these other folks. And I want you to know I appreciate your work. And sometimes we take advantage of that. You know, I used to be one of those people, right? And my wife will tell you, and I may have made that mistake recently too, right? You put stuff in the cart, and then instead of going back and put it back where it belongs, you just lay it down. Oh, there, get it, right? And you keep going, right? Uh, some of you are just like that, right? You're, you're really not thinking about other people. And I'm not saying that uh, you're not to do that, because my other mindset says, well, this way I give them something to do so they can keep working, right? Right? Isn't that what you all say? I think one of the brothers, that's what he told me that he did anyway. That's why I know about it, right? Uh, so sometimes in our mindsets, we really, we really don't honor those folks. We really don't. We think in the back of our minds that we're better than them. But you're not. We are not better than them. They were made in the image of God just like we are. Regardless of how menial a task that we think that they may do. So you honor them as well. And you bless them in the name of Jesus Christ. Fact remains that when you work as to the Lord and with a sincere heart, you are doing the will of God. God sees and God rewards. God, he sees and he rewards, right? Uh, verse 8. Knowing that whoever, whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant, whether he's a slave, 
or whether he's free, or whether she's free. So, God says here in the Word, he says that, that when you are faithful in your work as honoring him, that not only will you get paid uh, financially through ducats or, or that matter on your job on a daily basis or through digital credits, right? Nowadays, right? Not only are you going to get paid, he says that God will also reward you, which tells us that God has another reward for you in heaven. It may not be heaven, it may be just, there may be a need that may be coming to your life. That God is storing all these things up. I don't know exactly what it is, because scripture doesn't tell me exactly what it is. But what I do know is that God is going to reward you. So when you are about to lose your last mind, and if you, you, you think, I mean, I know how it is. I've told you before, you know, you, you, you like, you know, if they say one more thing to me, right, I, I get it to a degree what people sense in their hearts that we hear about folks going postal. Right? One more thing, I've had it up to here, and I'm just going off. But the right attitude is that, you know, I'm going to submit myself. And let me ask myself this question. Will I do or not do because my opinion is different from what they're asking me? Or because I'm really just a rebel at heart? See, some folks, they don't want to do it because they're a rebel at heart. But someone who just asked you to do something, why do it and all of a sudden you just, you, you, you got the wrong attitude. If they ask you to do it, you should do it. If there's a discussion to be had, be like Daniel. Have the discussion, but do it uh, with gusto unto the Lord. Honor him. So the Lord, he also speaks to all the leaders in the workplace as well. All the leaders. Ephesians 6, verse 9. He says here, masters, bosses, supervisors, managers, directors, do the same thing, do the same to them. So, so, so first he says, everything that you have heard, what the worker or the employer must do, that you must act reciprocally as well. He says, and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and that there is no partiality with him. In other words, he says that, look, you may show partiality in the things that you're thinking about, but understand with God, that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So in other words, uh, this leader is supposed to operate unto the Lord, like you operate unto the Lord when you are at work. But again, I know what you're saying, but what if they don't know Jesus? Right? What if they know Jesus and they, they're still acting like, a donkey, right? What if they are just messed up in the mind and they have, they, they have psychological problems? You know, what am I supposed to do? God says you're still supposed to honor them. Leaders, supervisors. Because many folks, when they're on the job, you know, just like the person who is an eye slave, it's really, uh, really about them looking good. 
That's why they shape up when people of influence or impact shows up into their life. That's why they shape up then because they want to make sure that they look good because they want to improve. They want to uh, go to the next level on their jobs. They want a promotion. But here are these bosses. Sometimes uh, they do things, say things because they just want to look good. And Paul says that if you are a leader, if you are a teacher, stop threatening the workers, stop threatening the students. So easy to fall in that trap, especially when you have some kind of power. Now, if you're wondering why, because I'm done with the leaders, why I spent so much time talking about employees, or students for that matter, understand that Scripture demands it. Now, what do you mean? Well, it is true they're supposed to follow everything, but specifically, uh, he spent four verses talking to the employee or the bondservant or the slave, right? And only one verse talking about the leader, really. So scripture demanded it. But that does not mean that the leader gets off the hook because he or she is still responsible to the Lord. God's desire is for us to treat all people on our watch and job with dignity and respect. You don't have to be a doormat. Please don't be a doormat but be a champion for Christ. And being a champion for Christ, you are honoring the Lord. By being a champion for Christ, you are doing your best work ever, regardless of what it is, whether you are doing mathematical uh, equations in school and, and calculus or pre-calculus, or, or whether you are an admin on your job, or whether you are a doctor, whether you are a lawyer, it doesn't make a difference. Whether you are directing airplanes at the airport, it doesn't make a difference. You are supposed to do this unto the Lord, and you honor God, and you help people at the same time. This is part of your purpose. This is it. You want to know how you honor God? One way to honor God is by doing your absolute best at what you're doing now. And if you do your absolute best at what you're doing now, God sees it, God rewards it. And some of you will get promotions on your job. And you'll figure out, well, you're asked a question, well, how did I get a promotion while everybody else didn't? People will be jealous of you. Why? Because now God's favor is on your life. God's favor is on your life. Why? Because you hyper here. You hyper here what your boss is saying, and then you hyper here what God says. This is what God wants from us. In doing so, God is